This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-host, and co-horse, Doug, Adrian, and Adam. Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hello, all you mutant goons from beyond. We're having a fun little trip to Knott's Berry Farm tonight. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Abe. Hey, goons. I am all squished out from trauma months. Troll March. Yeah, it's been interesting. This, this is weird. Adam and Micah from Damn That Scary talking about giving each other enemas and stuff to clear their brains from all the trauma. Meanwhile, I put my fucking tinfoil hat on. I'm with Doug over here. I'm indoctrinated. I am I am fucking all in trauma now. I think I'm going to cancel my Netflix and everything and just have trauma now. How about that? You know, it's not that it's bad. It's just I haven't taken a breather. I've not consumed any normal cinema or like anything else besides poo poo pee pee cum rape and uh, murder. You know. Hey, welcome to my teenage years, <laughs> dude. The closest thing I've come to normal cinema is the Toxic Crusaders, which was still like, whoa, one of the characters is named Bim Bet for a children's show. How neat. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, they also made a RoboCop cartoon and Rambo even had a cartoon, too. So I think they were just, you know, they, they didn't care back in the 80s. Crusaders toys were the best. Rambo is the only person who gets shot in the whole fucking show. Did you know that? Really? But, well, he, he regenerates over time. He's like a Rick from Splatterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So it's no surprise. We're doing Cannibal the Musical. The mystery of it and doing the tagline like we used to doesn't really make sense when you've clicked on the name of the episode, which is the name of the movie. And this was Adrian's selection for Trollmarsh. Why? Oh, because Doug told me that this was Trey Parker uh, involved in this and everybody wrote it and did the songs and everything. So Trey Parker and Matt Stone are involved. I got really excited because I love South Park. Obviously, who doesn't? And it was actually probably the the easiest one to get through. So I recommend it to everybody. Definitely the tamest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But still trauma. I mean, that's one of the things that's interesting. That's the side of trauma I love. It's that fun, bonkers, crazy side. Not so much the dad rape and dick eating. Yeah, this one, it kind of maintains itself, too, because uh, this film was actually a, a college project. So it was like, I think, Trey Parker's, like his um, thesis film that he had to make for film school. And uh, yeah, this was it. And then Troma, they were shit, taking it around to film festivals and stuff. And Troma was the one that was interested because all the other studios are like, oh, what the fuck is this? This isn't any good. But, uh, you know, Troma picked it up. So it was a thesis project, really. So originally, to Doug's point, it was actually just a, a short. It was like the trailer for this movie that was never meant to exist. And back then it was Alfred Packer, the musical. In fact, when it was initially released in cinemas, it was Alfred Packer, the musical. You know who ends up making it Cannibal the Musical? Uncle Lloyd. Because they were concerned outside of the immediate Colorado area, people wouldn't know who the fuck Alfred Packer was. But people know what cannibals are. So they expanded the scope, and that's actually really cool. The only reason that Parker ends up at Packer is because his school is this shitty, smarmy, little sarcastic group of goons. Would you care to hear how that came to be? Go ahead. So where he goes to school, University of Colorado, the in was it like the 1960s, they opened a new cafeteria and they let the student body name the cafeteria. And so it's called Packard based on Alfred. It's Alfred based on Alfred Packer. And the quote for it is like, have a friend for lunch. And so the school <laughs> itself at the base level is already being smarmy and shitty. And so this guy's like, hey, let me get in on that. And then makes an entire musical to spite some hussy. That's an impressively dark joke for back then. Props. Right? 68? Jesus. Yeah. 
I actually saw something very fun the other day. In 1966, a group of guys uh, who called themselves like the American Procrastinators Association protested the War of 1812. Funniest thing I've seen this week. That's great. Uh, yeah, they'll protest anything now. <laughs> <laughs> Except they won't be doing it ironically. They'll be like, let's cancel the War of 1812. Yeah. I have to fucking hear the word cancel again. I'm going to fucking stab someone in the throat. I swear to God. No one knows the proper usage of canceling either. They're like, oh, this is cancel. No, that's not cancel. It's oh, just, no, we got to uh, cancel canceling. Yeah, right. It's ironic because it's not canceled if you're still talking about it. So how is it even canceled? It's like this whole the whole Gina Carano thing, dude. It's like everyone's like, oh, this cancel culture. No, she works for Disney, dude. She fucked around and found out. If you say you don't have to make gay cakes, you can't then say you have to employ this fucking person with CTE. What is fucking happening? I don't exactly. fucking understand it. It's the double-edged sword syndrome. They don't uh, They don't get it. You say one thing, it's like, well, you can't do that. It's like, well, you just said your religion couldn't let me do this to you. So, you know. You only like your rules to work for you. And my favorite fucking thing is, you know, we had touched on a little bit last episode, Dr. Seuss. People are like, they canceled Dr. Seuss. No, they didn't. There is no fucking big brother coming in with their boots to squash you. This is his estate saying, nah. Fucking Warner Brothers not putting Pepe Le Pew in Space Jam 2. If you care that much about Space Jam 2, I want you to fucking die. <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. Honestly, this is what happens when you let a bunch of people go ham on a keyboard on the internet. So It's stupid because, yeah, I didn't even realize Pepe Le Pew was a thing, but my brother loves to bitch about the cancel culture or whatever. And so he's posting it. I'm like, I didn't even know. Like, stop talking about it. Nobody gives a fuck. Like, why do you care so much? Like, Ask that little cares? bitch with his eyebrows when the last time was that he sought out Pepe Le Pew in any context. I guarantee the answer is never. Never, because they don't, they, they, well, quote, canceled Pepe Le Pew and Looney Tunes how many years ago? Because Looney Tunes is super racist, because Pepe Le Pew is a fucking rapist. I mean, he's always forcing himself on the black cat. I, there's a reason why he's not around anymore. He's a pervert. Also, bestiality. He is not a cat. That is That's interspecies true. erotica. I can't sanction it. That's going to make an abomination. Uh, I'll be honest with you. As a kid growing up, I never saw Pepe Le Pew as like a per weirdly enough, I always saw him the cat didn't like him because he stunk. I thought that was the whole joke of it. <laughs> oh yeah, th th that's part of it, I'm sure, part and parcel. That's where my kid brain was too. I, I think this is actually pretty appropriate. We're on the ranting on this topic because I was looking up Matt Stone and Matt says that uh, he's a libertarian. He says because he hates conservatives, but he really fucking hates liberals. And I was like, as a libtard, I fucking hate liberals. But I also, I mean, it's it just so much rampant hate that's misguided, and it makes me want to just bite people in the throat, like the way this movie starts. You see that segue? Look at that. Ooh, ooh. Oh, that was smooth. Just like Rob Thomas and his hips, right, Tito Santana? <laughs> it's Carlos Santana, Tito Santana. It was a reference to pro wrestling. I don't want you to think I'm like, anyway, the statistics anyway. of this movie. Yeah. Budget of $125,000. Would you believe it? I'm surprised they got that much. The parts they spend the most money was on the big dance number at the end when they're about to hang them. I think that probably costed the most money. It looks like they just rented out Knott's Berry Farm, though, to be honest. So you want to hear something crazy about that? Mm -hmm. The whole reason that the horse's name is Leanne 
is Trey Parker attacking his ex-fiance. Or her name was Leanne Adomo. And she had cheated on him before they were supposed to get married. He breaks up with her. The guy she cheated with was in an acapella group. Whoops. So he ends up hiring her to do choreography for this movie. And he admits it was just to flex. And just like Doug just said, just like he said, the entire fucking budget is clearly that scene where he's having her there with MTV recording the proceedings. I mean, that is some cerebral fucking revenge, isn't it? The man's an artist, dude. Yeah, I mean, who who, who else would have thought up like the Scott Tennerman uh, chili uh, idea? You know, that's, <laughs> that's real life, Scott Tennerman. Truly. First, I'm sitting there like, this is cringy because I, you know, I watched some of the director's commentary and I'm hearing this and I'm like, oh, this he keeps going back to this. Like, we're quite a few years removed from this, my friend. May, it, it's not uncouth to be this indignant. But then the masterful, the reveal is just like Kaiser Sose, for Christ's sake, when he's like, oh, yeah. And by the way, I made her do this scene where I spent a bajillion dollars and made her feel insignificant. And then he, in the director's commentary, talks about how she like married the manager of a restaurant and he's like, I'm worth seven million. And what's super funny is like by now he's worth like several hundred million. So it's great. Beautiful, beautiful karma. Yeah, karma. And they did uh, drunk commentary. I think that's the reason Trey Parker let loose because uh, yeah. they did the commentary all drunk. As fuck. They even start farting into the microphones, Aid. See, you, we're not that low. Yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, uh, no, like he really did that. I honestly, I am confessing and I guess I, I'm going to apologize and do my little apology se- segment for a second because I'm not really doing a lot of research on these movies. It was Troll March. This was a wild card. Everybody gets a pass for this one because the only reason this movie has history is because the people who did it went on to be wildly successful. Exactly. But the fact that he did that, oh my God, get a fucking life. Like figure something else out. Like if you're worth millions of dollars and you're still talking about this, how sad are you? I mean, really? How sad is he? Then again, they've created characters like Cartman, so I'm not... Whose voice do you even hear in this film? Singing that goddamn mm-hmm. schmoopaloopal song or whatever. <laughs> Spadoinkle. <laughs> Shut up. I know what it is. I have 17 pages of notes. I know what Spadoinkle is. Did you know that Spadoinkle was a placeholder, you son of a bitch? Mm-hmm. You want to be trivialized? Thank you. You and I have DB2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love how like, Adam is so excited to fight with Jake. He's just so happy right now. Like The look on his face is like, bring it. <laughs> I mean, this is the one time I have a fucking timetable. You East Coasters are always like, oh, bed is looming. And I'm like, shit's only eight o'clock. And then today I'm like, I have to depose someone who's going to lie to me in an hour. Let's go. Well, we're, we're moving on along. Come on. Yeah, we're getting along here. They're going to lie to you nicely, though. You know what I mean? Your honor, you are lying to me. No, wait, they don't call you your honor. What, what do they call you, Jake? Uh, sir, sometimes. It's weird. So I had this fucking dork lie to me like point Blake yesterday. And I have an employer rep who's in the deposition. And she's like, you just let him lie? I'm like, yes, of course I'm letting him lie. Because if I don't let him lie, he's not committing perjury. So I need him to lie, even though I know the actual facts. So sometimes, and I do this with my children, I will let them say the wrong thing. And then at the end, like Conrad McGillicuddy's left hook, get some revenge. Movie came out October 31st, 1993. This movie was never going to make it. You want to know what else came out that same month? Freaked. Alex Winters, suck it, Adrian. Your favorite movie is Lost Boys, and you didn't know that shit, did you? Yeah, but Alex Winters is not my favorite Lost Boy. Like What? 
Have you seen his midriff in that movie? I am he's, gay he's for shredded. that. His midriff is taken away by his jerry curl, so and his mullet. So no, the the sexiest one is the one with the black hair, and I can't the death brain, by stereo never, guy. Yeah, we all yeah, know. It. Shut up. Cool Runnings came out oh, that month. God, Demolition Man. Mr. Nanny. <laughs> oh, such wonderful films came out. Fatal Instinct. Oh, and then there was this one movie that was clearly a Christmas movie that came out called The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, also came out two days before. Uh, you mean the Halloween movie that came out? A couple days later, RoboCop 3 came out. Fred Decker movie. Fred Decker directed my favorite movie of all time, Monster Squad. A couple days after that, Ernest Rides Again comes out. This movie just couldn't make it. Adam's Family Values comes out after that. Think of its mm. contemporaries. It's a good thing that nobody saw this for another three years until Troma released it under the name Cannibal the Musical. That was a really fun slate back then. That was a that was a good year for bonkers fun action. Yeah, for some reason, 1993, all the movies you just mentioned make me crave McDonald's Happy Meals because I feel like those were all toys at the time. Dude, right? Wasn't that when the Arch Deluxe was out too? Yes. A cheap French fry smell. Let me ask you a question now. <laughs> Let's say you take one of those toys and you put it in the Indian in the cupboard's cupboard, right? When you open it up, even though it's now alive and animated, does it still reek of French fries? No, it'll look like that baboon from The Fly. Remember when he opens it up and it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's fused with a potato? Yeah, it's like, kill me, kill me. <laughs> I love oh it God. so much. Now, did you know... That uh, Trey Parker ended up organizing a group of his friends to pose as protesters for the unveiling of the film to create controversy so that they would get press. Yeah, that sounds about right. That is Herschel Gordon Lewis 101. I'll have you know. Damn, we should have done that for Gross House then when that uh, got the, the fucking release. Yeah, or Don't Touch That Dial, available now on Troma Now. So if you got your Troma subscription for Tromarch, you can watch one of Doug's feature length films, Free Plug. Bada boom. He's just my indentured servant on this show in return. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. Make sure you go watch Don't Touch Adele before that gets canceled, too. It's oh. a movie that's asking to be canceled. So Yeah. Runtime of 96 minutes. The original cut of this film was two and a half hours and had three more songs. Well, technically two more songs and a reprisal of the sh when I was on top of you. So what do you think? How do we like the runtime? I really like the runtime. I want to know where that extra time from the original cut was. Like if that was in between death scenes, if that was in the beginning, like when they're lost. It's an interesting thing because it could totally change how the movie plays. What did you think, Aid? Because I remember texting you and saying like, oh, you're going to like this movie. I, I feel like Frozen even ripped off some of the musical cues. Like I, I don't know. What did you think about the runtime? I liked it. I, I thought I did like this movie. It did drag a little bit. And the only time I, I, and again, I said this before, I know when I'm bored with something, if I'm like start picking up my phone, I think I was talking to Adam earlier today. I was supposed to watch it yesterday and I forgot. Or I didn't forget. I started cleaning the house and then it got too late. And so I watched it this afternoon. And it's, I think they could have cut out a little bit more. Just some of their run-ins with the trappers. And I mean, I guess they were funny. I, I don't know. Bits and pieces in there. I know what you mean. The songs are really cute, though. Like, I got really excited. I wanted more more music than um, just them going through and bitching. Because they just kept bitching about not being getting food, right? Because they're hungry and they're starving, which I get because that's what leads them to cannibalism. So I understand why it's there. But just complain once and then, then kill what's his name and then you can eat him and just move right along. Right? No? I think that's fair. Yeah. 
Because you start with a money shot when it comes to the grossness and the yeah. and then never again does it bounce back. And also the repetitious nature of seeing the trappers and going back and then seeing them again. Funny enough, Parker in the commentary says that if he could recut the movie, he'd make it 12 minutes long. And he talks about how like when they set up the fudge so they could do the fudge packer joke and stuff like that. He had no experience in film, so he didn't really... He thought that everything had to have a cue or something to hang its hat on. And really, when you think about the movie, what happened? You could do it in two sentences, three sentences, Max. Uh, so it doesn't really feel that padded. But I definitely, you know, because you start so well, I think that whole first 20 minutes is great. And then it kind of starts to drop off because you never get really more gore except for the oozing eye, right? Yeah, I think like a lot of films this month, if you just trimmed them down where they didn't need to meet a runtime and just made them shorts like Kung Fury, they could do so much better. I feel just I mean, entertainment wise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then the film distributors wouldn't take you serious because I think you have to have like over 70 minutes to meet some sort of, uh, you know, distribution deal. Yeah, that's actually one of the things we talked about with our friends during Sistmas, uh, the movie Sist with Tyler Russell, they actually added time to be able to hit an 80 minute runtime so that they could do festivals and stuff. Unfortunately, we didn't actually film anything with me being in it, but I have already pitched Cyst 2 and my treatment for that. So I, I will be starring in that if and when. What's your bad guy name going to be? Spadoinkle. What's the name? What's this word from this movie? Schmoople? Schnoople, Spadoinkle. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I think the best song from this movie is uh, the one in the beginning. It's uh, the sky is blue yep. and all the leaves are green. I think that has the best melody out of, out of all of them. It's been in my head for the past three days. I can't stop humming it. Yeah, see? Okay, I'm not alone. Not alone no, at no, all. It's cute. Like, I was cleaning the kitchen and I was, like, singing with the song, one of the songs. And I'm like, oh, my God. I just wanted to <laughs> So, it's cute. I really, and I love musicals. So, I enjoyed this a lot more than, I would say, Poultrygeist. I don't know. Well, it, as far as substance goes, but there was a lot more gore in Poultrygeist, and I wish that it had more gore, more color, like the other ones do. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Poultrygeist, the, the thing with Poultrygeist is I feel it, for me, c considering all the trauma movies always take place in different locations, Poultrygeist is very claustrophobic because you get most of the time inside the restaurant. You know, mm -hmm. and when it's musical numbers, you can't really have, it's, it, I'm either in a kitchen, a bathroom, or, you know, the, the lobby, so... <laughs> Or the parking lot. <laughs> What's really funny, though, is I actually really like the saturation of this because this reminds me of movies where you have recreations of the minor 49er. Maybe that's a very West Coast thing, but I remember in my education seeing videos that looked exactly like this of some dude panning for gold and everything. So I, I actually took it more to be satire in the presentation rather than it's alternative when it comes to hyper saturated stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so interesting in the beginning where everything is monochromatic, even their clothing. And the only color you get is the blood. Yeah. Well, I know I keep bringing up Knott's Berry Farm for this, but what it reminded me of too, I mean, now that they're still closed, was that when you go on the roller coasters, they do the safety videos and it's the people dressed up like the old time, like how uh, Trey Parker and them are. And they're doing the roller coaster safety video. That's what it reminded me of. Like you could tell the costumes all just came from like a, uh, you know, just a, just a costume warehouse or something. Um, so I can appreciate for that for the roller coaster safety videos and cannibal the musical. Now, coming from a New Englander's point of view, we got a lot more like, say, stuff on pilgrims, like all our instructional videos were on like colonial settlers and stuff like that. Did you guys have any any of that on the West Coast or was it more? 
I'm sure there's some of that, but at, at Knott's Berry Farm, they have what they call ghost town. It's like a Hell Western yeah. town because because that's Hell where yeah. the gold, um, you know, where the, the gold uh, rushes were. And uh, they still have it to this day. Like all the all the actors kind of dress up in like old uh, gold rush outfits, miners running around uh, the death slinger. If you like Dead by Daylight, there's a guy that looks like the death slinger from there's that game. There's a burlesque running show. Around. Oh, there's man. a burlesque show. Yeah, it's basically like West Coast Salem. Yes, because Salem has very much the same thing. That's rad. We have little pioneer towns everywhere. But like Doug said, Knott's Berry Farm is the best because you can go from that hop, skip and a jump. You're doing Montezuma's Revenge. And I'm not talking about butt coffee. (laughs) (laughs) It's so brown. Uh, oh yeah, Montezuma's Revenge. I remember I was drunk and I kept calling it Monteputa's Revenge to all the people <laughs> there. They're all that's Spanish for uh, put, or that's that's puta in Spanish for bitch. Nice. <laughs> we know, dog. We know. This is the education. <laughs> hey, well, we know, but we have some people who live in the middle of BFE who've never even been immersed that's in that true. Spanish experience. Some people aren't as sophisticated as us, and they think that Mexican food is del taco. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you've ever been to El Monte, California, you go to get drive through. They say, what do you want, puto? You know what I mean? (laughs) Fun fact, I used to manage a store in El Monte, and some guy started talking shit about me and puto as well in front of me and acted like, naturally, this cracker has no idea what I said. And I was like, oh, and then I rang him up in Spanish just to prove a point as to say, yes, I do know. And you can fuck off. Now, let's move on. On the topic of Hispanic names, Juan Schwartz is what Trey Parker calls himself in the credits. You know why? No, but I saw that. and I thought that was interesting. So uh, John Schwartz was the alias, the pseudonym of one Alfred Packer when he was trying to evade authorities. So this was a play on that. The movie is very historically accurate down to him making a stupid dollhouse in jail. Packer did that. And they say the uh, the courtroom was the actual one where uh, Alfred Packard was tried. Bing, bing. Points a lot of history Adam. in this one. Thank you. That's and exciting. for those of you keeping score, Adam is in the lead with two bings. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, did you want me to tally this? Because I can. I got a pen. Uh, last time you tallied something, uh, it was Doug winning in a uh, debate. And then you conned him into siding with you for the next four months. So, no, I don't need ah! your help. Is that he still is your familiar? True. That is not true. Bruja? <laughs> I'm so offended by all of you, even Doug. Oh, no. Well, I, I'm drinking too. What are you drinking? <laughs> I'm, well, it's later in the day for me and spring fucking break people. So I'm drinking uh, sparkling wine because I'm trashy like that. Yeah, it's not cupcake. It's barefoot. That's how sad this is. Oh, my God. Please. We have to edit that out. That's so embarrassing. Anyways. Yeah. I have no idea what the fuck that means. I know. I know you wouldn't. That's why I didn't mind telling you. Is it a bad thing? Is it embarrassing to like, is it made with real feet? Probably, (laughs) but uh, no, it's like really shitty, 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 like super cheap wine, but all their sparkling wines are like $8.99 at Publix right now. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. And I'm like putting them all in my car at 10 o'clock this morning and the lady's staring at me. I'm like, you don't trust me. It's like the steel reserve of wine. Oh, okay. I know what that means. (laughs) It's the Natty Bow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's disgusting, but it was on sale, so I said. Are you impressed? It. I know what Natty Bo is. I actually, I am. I am. My sister, my sister in law is down in Maryland, and that's a huge thing down there. I did a uh, painting of Natty Bo for them. Actually, I lived in Maryland for a while, and I made the joke no that shit. the reason that Natty Bo only has the one eye is because of fetal alcohol syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, got it. Well, Aid, what did the uh, cashier say to you? Did you say, "Oh, you must be having a party"? It's like, no, I'm just doing tro march. Yeah, right. I know. I forgot to tell them because that was the thing. Because I knew I had to watch this movie. I'm like, I'm going to need to drink, and I don't want any liquor right now because it's way too early in the day for that. My co-hosts so. are going to talk about their balls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't say that out loud, but I was thinking it. Dude, hey, I'm right there with you. I mean, I stocked up on like twenty dollar cartridges, just handfuls of them for the month. So I'm. Oh, right there you with get you. offended by the ball talk too, Adam? I don't want to see any more dad rape dick eating this month. Uh, I don't. That one that one left an imprint on me. Well, back to this one. There wasn't yeah. any like sexual assault in this one that I can remember. Is there? No, it was very tame for a troll movie. I think the only thing they really get to was uh, uh, the guy that plays Chowder Boy in Orgasmo. Uh, when he's standing there, he's, he's like, you know, I just need a woman. I need to get my dick wet. I'm always working with my dad. You remember that? And yeah. Yeah. Bacar. All I could think of when he was talking to his dad and his dad was trying how he wanted to leave and everything is I just couldn't stop thinking about hamster style. Dad, I just I don't want to practice hamster style anymore. OK, son. That movie fucking rips. Orgasmo holds oh, up. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I still think that has the best joke ever. I saw that as a kid uh, with uh, with who's T-Rex. You're going to make me come. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no. oh no. <laughs> Here, fuck me, baby. You just gotta love a character who has a dildo atop his head and just yes. that power pose with the hands on his hips as it's like flopping. It's amazing. Cock rockets! And this is why I'm drinking, everybody, just so you realize. Well, Aid, you gotta see uh, Orgasmo next. This is uh, it's it's a less it's a bigger budget version of uh, Cannibal the Musical, in my opinion. We have we have one more to do, and and this will probably be my last trauma for like. Until next year when you want to torture me again. Yay. Yay. Until Trome. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that they made a trauma film and it is decidedly the least obscene film they've made. Right? Yeah. Team America, he's forced to suck dicks and pukes everywhere. And or yeah. The locker room scene in basketball where it's just it's two huge giant dicks, dicks yeah. swinging back and forth. The best is when Deanne Bacar has his, uh, you know, talking about fucking the guy's mom. He's like, my mom's dead. He's like, I guess that's why she didn't move much. It's like, oh, I remember being a kid and being like, oh, this is a new level. Dude, those psych outs. Oh, they molded me into quite a, a fucked up person. That movie was around at the right time in my life. Now, I'm sure you've all been able to see Orgasmo and Basketball on Comedy Central. But did you know that Uncle Lloyd had submitted Cannibal the Musical to go on to Comedy Central? And they issued formal rejection. Thank you for submitting and resubmitting Cannibal the Musical. But it's simply not up to our standards for broadcasting, which Trey Parker now has framed in his office at Comedy Central. Suck my dick. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the joke's on them. Look at it to this day. Didn't they just show a new South Park episode on Wednesday? The the, the vaccination special? The vaccine. Yeah, Dan got so excited. He's like, oh, I need you, to have watch to stop. you have to stop what you're doing because we're watching South Park today. Because I haven't, you know, I haven't watched any new episodes since the um, the one where Randy's selling weed during the pandemic. That was the last one I watched. Oh, the pandemic, oh, the pandemic special. special. Yeah, that one was, oh my God, fucking Randy. And then this one, and I'm like, oh my God, like I can't believe like it's gotten so much worse than it used to be. And it's still on and nobody's canceling it. It's so, I really haven't kept up. I always hop on for the specials, but they're always so fucking on point. Yeah. And and they're so like like seriously on point. So they do they tape these weekly? They have to because like everything they do, they do. is like their that schedule takes that week. seven to eleven days. Yeah, 
What was uh, the documentary okay. was six days to air. They show how they get the content. They record the voices and do the animation in six to six days and drop it right on Comedy Central. That's why Family Guy never did a rebuttal when they made fun of him in that two parter, because Seth MacFarlane was like, I can't. It takes us three months to go out. Yeah. And this movie sense. right here shows they've always been talented. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah Trey Parker's a great singer, I think. I think he's definitely got, you know, musical talents too. I love all the dubbing he does in this. And you hear him singing like Cartman at one point yeah. in the beginning. Well, he actually talks shit about some of the actors saying they were so bad he had to dub them over. So that's always nice. What was weird is when he he dubbed over the Japanese Native Americans. It's like uh, because they were uh, actual exchange students because he was majoring in Japanese and he got them. He got some of his professors in the film. It was like, I wondered why he dubbed over their Japanese. It felt very Wayne's World to me, right? With the Rob Lowe scene. Very much so. I didn't even think about that. Cream of some young guy. Now, let's talk about the actors in the film. We had Trey Parker. Did you know his dad is in it? He's the uh, judge. Prosecutor. Oh, yeah. Okay. I saw that his last name is Parker. I didn't look that. It was. Sorry. Aid was like, oh, it's the Clash of the Titans. And I'm like, oh, I'm coming out swinging. And Adam's like, I'm smoking weed in a comfy chair. You didn't want the smoke, son. (laughs) Wait, let me get my pen. I'll start tallying. (laughs) (laughs) Who who do I want to be on my side? (laughs) So uh, this is something I find hilarious. So Toddy Walters is the gal who plays Polly Pry. And she ends, she continues to do cameos in South Park. She even plays Winona Ryder in Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, right? So originally, there was another person supposed to play that role, one Moira Kelly. And so if you look in the credits, you'll see MK is credited as the dropout because she just never fucking showed up. Wow. Petty, thy name is Trey Parker. Yeah. He's still petty because I Googled him today and like there was all these articles about his new divorce or something. Yeah, but you know what? He's petty all the way to the fucking bank. Mm, that does help. Yeah, but no no amount of money is worth being with someone like that. <laughs> He's made his fortune on petty. I mean, look at South Park. Yeah, truly. It's petty against everybody. Now, did you notice? Did you uh, anybody watch the credits? Yeah. So at the very end of the credits, one of my all-time favorite placards comes up and it says, based on the graphic nature of this film, it should not have been watched by children after the fact. Hilarious. <laughs> Well, did you notice the uh, the little disclaimer in the beginning? It's like, oh, this is based on a true story. It's been it was filmed in like 1817 yeah. and it's being released now and it's edited for your viewing pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't South Park have a, an opening like that, too? So same thing. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah, and so <laughs> I thought I was watching the wrong version at first because uh, I was watching. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So this is the censored version. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, what am I supposed to do? Because they have it streaming on all these indie, these free indie places. Oh, like yeah. commercials. Ever. Oh, God, it's so bad. Like, I got through half of it. I'm like, no, no, no I'm going to go figure out another way to watch this. But um, yeah, like, I don't know. I can't believe like it's in so many places. Like a lot of people really like this movie. And I can't believe it never. The only time I heard about it was when we were doing Return of Loving Dead 3 that you sort of failed to mention with movies coming out that month. And then I realized it was a trauma movie. And I don't know where I'm going with this. You can continue. Sorry. Did you try and just give yourself a tally? What the fuck was that? <laughs> no, Ooh. I don't know. I had a point. And this I, like, is a J.A. Me. situation. See yourself uh, out. I know. 
Bye. Well, that's different from waxing your carrot. What is that? Uh, flicking the bean. You're flicking your own bean. Bean flicker. No, ew. That that's so their gross. word. Oh so anyway, going back, um, we also had Deanne Bacar, the kid Choda boy. Uh, he, this is fun, tying it back. You to gotta the- say it proper, dude. You gotta say it proper. It's Choda boy. Fitting with the Western motif, he appeared in the Melvin's music video for The Talking Horse. Adam got another point. <laughs> he just said a thing. I gave you gold. I had to research Deanne Bacar, who's been in fucking nothing that didn't involve Trey Parker. And you give him a point? <laughs> yeah, Sitting in a comfy chair, smoking weed. <laughs> Jason McHugh was Frank Miller. He wrote a book about this fucking movie, if you'd believe it. It was released in 2011. With the amount of history they put into this and little facts, I mean, I could see how. But imagine like trying to think back on something you did in 1993 in 2011, or probably he would have been writing in 2007 to 2009. Just think about like how long that would be. They did this over like a couple of weekends. So imagine trying to think that hard back on something about 20 years beyond like that would blow my brain in twain. Production diaries, maybe? He could have had notes, yeah. Do you think they had those? Do you really think that they had those? The, the movie with the scene where the guy repeatedly punches a loincloth, you think they had production notes? The thing, though, I, I feel like they would have had someone running around one of their friends with a video camera because it felt very uh, like Tom Green meets CKY in a lot of ways to me, just the way they did this. It's, it's just something it reminded me of. Yeah, it also felt very, um, in some parts, very jackassy because you got to give them credit. They yeah. filmed this in the snow. When they cross that 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 river, remember they're going to the actual river, and uh, you know I don't, I don't I give them so much credit because you can get hypothermia out there. You know it's a it's a low budget crew and they just walk right into that uh, that snowy river. That's that's some good stuff. Oh, that was a real river. I didn't even thought it yeah was yeah they just walk right into it. Oh, awesome. and they're actually going down, getting hit by rocks and stuff. <laughs> now they were that canyon. They were actually there. They they were yeah. That's awesome. That was such a great location shot. Yeah, the loca- th- this movie definitely needs a restoration or something uh, because, I mean, it's in low quality now, but it would definitely benefit from like a Blu-ray release or something like that. Just it would I- be beautiful. Yeah, because they shot it on film and it's, uh, you know, that's serious that they'll definitely pop on the TV. <laughs> oh, so I, I mean- figured it was green screen. Like all of that was real. Yeah. Yeah, it was all real. Oh, wow. It's probably cheaper to do the real than the green screen because they were already in Colorado. That's a really good point. That's true. It's so funny to think like Colorado based humor made these guys billionaires, basically. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I mean, look at the production value. All these were like dollar store uh, beards and mustaches all on the actors, too. So, you know. Which Trey Parker actually said the worst thing about doing this movie was wearing the fake goatee. Oh, man. I wonder if he used like spirit gum or how that was on there. That had to suck. Well, I can imagine that. Yeah, it just falls (laughs) off all the time. So you constantly having to stick it back on your face. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's a pain in the ass. I'd be like, fuck this movie. If If that was me. So in talking about dollar store effects when it comes to facial hair, the point that opening effects in that gore scene, four grand. Pretty impressive stuff. You got a jaw being ripped to Twain. A tongue being ripped out, a throat being chewed on. What do we think? Did they blow their wad too early? Was it just right? I think they did so well with it, with just the editing cuts, like how they did it, the angles they filmed it from. They look, they made it look like they spent even more. 
I think they did really great with it. Yeah, I think they did great with it as well, too. I mean, did they blow their load? Yes, because you don't see any gore until maybe like uh, almost an hour into the film after that. Yeah. What I was hoping for was a Rashomon style. And I had seen this before. I knew it wasn't (laughs) happening, but like the perspective what actually happened. And so then you get kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, But they don't really do that it's you come back and you see the aftermath with like a bloody stump and stuff and it's a little disappointing but i get it with the kind of budget it has but still it left me wanting more i'll admit yeah that 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 disappointed me for sure well there were were some good cannibal jokes in here too and i think it's from matt stone as well when they're all sitting around they're like what are we gonna do like are we gonna eat him and he's eating the foot he's like ew that's gross packer i'll eat that but i don't want to eat butt (laughs) what kind of piece do you want it was totally, he was totally Kyle in this whole movie, even when he took his hat off and he had the poofy red hair. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's Kyle. <laughs> and that boing sound effect. <laughs> so good. Shall we go through the narrative a little bit more formally? We start off with the gore. We end up in the courtroom. Then we go from the courtroom to the jail. And this is where we get the backstory about Leanne and... Then we go to the Spadoinkle Day musical number. What do we think? I enjoyed the Spadoinkle Day musical number. In fact, uh, that's that's the one that I always get in my head uh, m- most of the time. It's that one or it's uh, the Let's Build a Snowman one, which, as I said, Frozen ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to you know, build a snowman? I think they've always just done musical numbers really well. I mean, just bigger, longer, uncut. I mean, Uncle Fucker, Blame Canada. I mean, they are just great songwriters. They're They're a talented team. They really are. <laughs> now I've got Uncle Fucker stuck in my head. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It. Well, okay. So have you guys ever seen Ravenous um, with Guy Pierce? Oh, yeah. Okay. So doesn't like, I feel like Ravenous basically ripped off Cannibal. Like I'm watching Cannibal. I'm like, oh, this is exactly like Ravenous. No? Yes. Yes. 100% that those multimillionaires saw I this movie point. at like an indie film <laughs> festival. And like, you know what we need to do? is take out the music and heart and soul of this and make a bland-ass cannibal film. Yes, it's exactly what it happened. Bland. Was that it one was based good. on Alfred Packer, too? Or was that just like Guy Pierce playing a random cannibal? A fine young cannibal, if you will. I, I have no idea because I need to rewatch it. I want to watch it again because I actually really liked it the first time I saw it. But that was I fell I asleep watching it one night. I need to give it a full watch. Yeah, yeah it's, on, it's on Brown Ray now from Shout Factory, so you can pick it up there. And our buddy David Arquette's in it, so do that. But anyway, let's move forward. The Spadoinkle Day was a parody of Oh, What a Beautiful Morning from Rogers and Hammerstein's uh, Oklahoma. And so the Spadoinkle was literally just meant until he could find a funnier adjective. And then when he presented it to people, he was like, oh, this is a placeholder. And they're like, no, that's perfect. And so it was through the pressures of others. Peer pressure sometimes has a positive effect that we were endowed with Spadoinkle Day in our nomenclature and brains forever. And I love how the word just pops up throughout the movie. Like he trips. He's like, gosh, Spadoinkle. Right. Just, it's just randomly peppered in. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who, who catch it, there's a lot of uh, like Spadoinkle. Uh, did they ever make that reference in South Park? I feel like they did. There's got to be something. Or at least something that sounds like it. Yeah. Well, well I do like the random uh, pop ups of Stan's dad's voice. Uh, Randy, you can hear his voice throughout it when it's when it's dubbed. <laughs> And you can also see uh, alien heads in the background, which is huge trope for South Park for years. Yeah. Like, cause the, yeah, their first episode was the, uh, the anal probe episode. Yep. And yep. the snowman had an alien head. And I thought yep. it was just like buzzed when I saw that. Cause it was like a split second, but now yep. that you said it, I know I'm not crazy. Pops right? up in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. It's okay. a cool touch. Very cool. So we go from there. 
meandering along, we encounter the trappers and there's the trappers and the packers or the diggers and that whole friction there could have been. I think that that could have been a musical number right there. A little uh, West Side Story kind of a thing, right? A lot of snaps and switchblades. There's a song later. It's fine. But I think it would have been better there. But then I guess blowing your wad is, is a problem. Uh, so we establish our foil, if you will, and go on about our merry way. And then Leanne, the horse, disappears, of course. <laughs> the horse. Ah. See what I did there? I, I like put a W on it and Adam, made I'm it a thing. A point. <laughs> and, th- and then you get that big reveal at the end. It's like, she wasn't stolen. She left me on purpose. Oh, my God. That makes sense now. Okay. And the whole thing where he like lets her go and pick somebody else because the whole process, the entire movie is a grieving process. And then after making her be a literal whore for money on the most expensive scene of the fucking movie, he's done with it. If that's not catharsis, I don't know what is. He needs to write a self-help book. Think of the amazing content we could review on Slashers if everybody got over exes with movies like this. Oh my god. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Dude. We'd have a lot of good movies. The Oscars would be stacked. Isn't that all Lady Gaga and like all these the, the music artists do now? It's like my ex broke up with or who's that uh, Taylor Swift. Ta- yeah, Taylor Swift. Oh, Adele too, yeah. Yeah, they you wouldn't have any of her classic lineup of songs. Whoa, and I'm yeah. saying that sarcastically. Well, <laughs> and if you didn't have people being obsessed over, you wouldn't have every Beth you take sting talking about the X. You know what I'm talking about? Creepiest song in the world. Everybody wants to play all the time. Pretend that it's sweet. Fuck that song. If you've never been stalked, you think that's a sweet song. But when you've been stalked, you're like, not nice. Mm-mm. Yeah. So you can make a song now. I bet there's plenty of girls in El Monte uh, and uh, some guy writing a song now. It's uh, the girl with the long nails and the fake eyebrows. She's like, that stimmy money isn't going to be enough for Aiden's milk. Oh, Jesus. The lip liner. But fun- I think I had Sting on the brain because in the commentary, Trey's like, if Sting would have written this fucking song, it'd be an iconic song because I wrote it. Nobody gives a shit. And it's like, kind of. Yeah. Well, he's not Sting. So. He's like John Feldman. He just keeps cranking out the hits and giving them away. (laughs) Yeah, they're laughing on their end, too. They got the easiest job in the world. Now, they only have to make six or ten episodes a year of something and uh, of South Park. And, you know, that's it. They're living uh, they're living the good life. Well, I think they also made a new film company was like important pictures or something like that. Where their their whole plan is to it was really they were capitalized like over a hundred million dollars. It's insane. Ah, these these motherfuckers rich. Yeah, and they they actually put themselves in the South Park episode like a picture of them. Like so, Mr. Garrison's going down hanging out with QAnon in this last episode, and they have all of the celebrities that are like you know eating children and whatnot. And there's like a picture of them from the late nineties standing together like on the on the wow. bulletin board. And I'm like, oh my god, it is them. You know what's really interesting? Deserve every dime they get because they have not dropped the ball comedically in over two decades. They haven't. Well, and also they do a less is more. They just focus on the one fucking thing. You know, it's at the start, they were, I think, spreading themselves a bit thin. Basketball. Remember the whole J-Lo dress thing? It was uh, the the Bjork dress thing. They were on acid. That's You know what I mean? Like it was a lot of like hammy shit that ended up being very jackass. And even the jackass guys outgrew it. But it seems like these dudes are just like, you know, fuck all that. We're going to do the things we want to do. And after Team America for what, 15 years, they didn't do anything else in that kind of vein. And their content is amazing. Yeah. Arguably, it's 
it's too on topic because like when I was in law school, I couldn't have time to watch. And I tried to like catch up after I finished. And I was like, I don't even know what they're referring to because it's three years old. And I don't know what that reference was. It, way too topical. Yep. Just like the ointment on my balls. Let's move on. What is it? Biofreeze? <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty savvy of you. That was awful. That was awful. I hate you both. Minus one point. Minus one point. Oh, no. What does the winner get? That's the question. Now now I'm just subtracting. I don't know. They'll get get me not signed for a week, I guess, on the the chat. That's a good good prize. So when they're speaking Japanese, I say they're turning Japanese. I really think so. Uh, Stone is speaking, and what he's signing with his hands is Jesus Christ is dead. And the Japanese Indians are saying, I hate you, you're stupid, and this is a really stupid movie. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love that. It's It's brilliant on levels. Like, most people will never know that. Most people will never catch that joke. But looking that, like, I read about that. It's just brilliant. Well, you know, one of my all-time favorite films is Kung Pao Enter the Fist. And it's basically Mm. an entire movie of that one bit in one scene of this movie, which is crazy to think of. Yep. So uh, we had already talked about it. Uh, did I mention the fact that there was discussions of a sequel called Alfred Packard Trouble in Jamaica? <laughs> no, I never didn't hear about that. That sounds this, like uh, Beetlejuice goes to the lion. I think that was, it was what it was meant to parody, which, you know, it makes you wish that Trey Parker got his heart broken again. Maybe now with the divorce that Adrian was talking about, we'll get it. Oh, yay. Yay. Is this lady a choreographer too? <laughs> More spite movies. <laughs> Well, you know, they could do a movie on their midlife crisis. Because how old are they now? They're uh, they already past midlife. They're born in mid-70s, I think. Right? Yeah. So, so, you know, maybe they could still do that midlife crisis. Because now I think once he turns 60 and up, uh, that's that's when the new midlife crisis is now. Yeah. Yeah, But when you're that rich, I mean, you're going to live to be 120 like Keith Richards. So you fucking might as well have three or four midlife crises. Yeah, dude. 60 is the new 15. Yeah, for men. What I got to say, too, besides like Cannibal the Musical, it's just like, you know, they're rich now. But how is it that they're so topical with like middle class people? Because I feel like they hit that on the head so well. You're right. The plight of the proletariat. Yeah. Yeah, there's (laughs) there's no real disconnect. Well, they act like they know their their audience better than I think a vast majority of people do. Like, for instance, I think a lot of people think that like the Big Bang Theory is meant for intellectuals. No, it is not. There's a lot of people who like clearly don't know what audiences are meant for what. Like, I'm not the audience for the ranch on Netflix. Please, Rob, father-in-law, stop fucking asking me to watch the ranch. But I think these guys know. But that's not the show for you. What's interesting, though, is like, you know, people always talk about how they're like, oh, well, South Park, they offend everybody. So it's okay. But that's not entirely true. They know that there's a niche. Even though they're yeah. doing the broadest brush or whatever to offend everybody and to be as equally accessible, it's not that. They're very sophisticated as to who they're uh, talking to, both in terms of like language and cadence and speed of the jokes, letting things breathe. I mean, it is very analytically based, I think. I don't think it's happenstance. It's so sharp. I mean, in just staying so topically fresh, I think keeps them connected with their fan base because they're learning the same stuff. They're staying hip on the lingo on fucking everything that this generation is just living through. 
the um the south park special yesterday they had like the um there was the line at walgreens and they were all standing in line there's the old people and there's the bouncer so they're making like the walgreens the new nightclub (laughs) (laughs) they're trying to get into walgreens and they can't it was was good it was funny i liked it i actually liked it i'm watching this after (laughs) but but you know what i mean like something like that for example if you're rich you don't have to worry about that because what rich person is going into walgreens you know so it's like they hit it right on the head it feels like the uh early episodes of roseanne because i felt like that that really yeah. explained uh middle class like the best yeah and, and and almost not even like at middle class because roseanne was on the lower middle class yeah lower you know, middle class yeah lower middle class and they were struggling and that's what and exactly why people identified with it and especially with with South Park, the best thing about having the children there is that they can always have the perspective through, you know, a child, but like what the kids are going through too as well. So now you see how the, the kids are adapting to these changes. Like now they have cell phones and now they're able to, um, you know, they know all of the lingo with all of the apps and with Tinder and with Twitter and things like that. Like, obviously, they didn't know that when the show first started. So I think it's really cool how they can show that because that's exactly how teenagers respond to technology and how they respond to things going now. So the, the fact that, yes, they can they can stay with their audience and stay with the the age range that they want to and who they want. I totally agree with that. So. Well, think about this. When I watched South Park, I was a child and now I'm a parent and it still applies like the broad strokes with which we've like, you know, now that you have characters like Randy Marsh becoming centrist, like there's Randy centric episodes. Like I, I, I find that the episodes I've always loved more, like the butter show, like the ones that are peripheral, I think are way more fun. But they get the, the best of all worlds because look at the the Simpsons is tied to some semblance of normalcy. Mm-hmm. South Park started with Jesus fighting Santa. Yep. So they can Made do whatever they want. Construction paper. Yeah, and then Simpsons now it's being written by a bunch of sixty plus year old white guys that uh, you know they don't they don't know anything that's going on. They just say, "Oh, kids like uh, Twitter, so let's make." Sense. I don't. I think the new Simpsons is is an, is an, needs to be aborted in my opinion. Like I, I just cancel the Simpsons. It's embarrassing. Yeah, and not because there's anything wrong with it. It's because it's so cringy. Yeah, dude. I think what season Rebuttal. 11 was the last season that I liked. I don't know. It had some seasons to where it tried to be family guy and tried to be a little too sassy. And that's where it stuck out like a sore thumb of bullshit to me. But then, like, I feel like they kind of slowed back into their role. Like, I just watched, I think, the most recent Treehouse of Horrors. And, like, they had some pretty good political satire. I wasn't totally turned off. Here's my thing, Adam. And here, I, you're not going to like this, but it is my understanding as somebody who's never imbibed the marijuana that it affects your perception of the length of time. And so as you're sitting there, you're thinking there's this rapid fire humor where any sober person's like, it's been seven minutes and I haven't even thought that I might chuckle once. But you're like, dude, keep them hits coming, homie. Woohoo. Some people really do find Simpsons still funny and still relevant. Um, especially I think it, I started watching this again, especially when uh, Universal, because I have your passes to Universal, when they came out with the, the Simpsons and Springfield land. And now I'm like, I'm engrossed with the Simpsons every time I go there. Like I go to, I go to Moe's and I get a deaf beer and I like fucking hang out like in the, the twirl and hurl, like, you know what I mean? So I feel like it is, it does have an audience of people that that, that want to keep The Simpsons because we grew up with The Simpsons, too. And we grew up with The Simpsons way before South Park. Simpsons was on, I think, before Doug was alive. So, Yeah, it was. 
Yeah, it's by today's standards, it's just a children's show with some adult jokes tossed and, in. And they and do. They, they, show, they show episodes of The Simpsons at church because The Simpsons is a, quote, holistic, like they, they go to church. They're, they're, you know, a nuclear family. You know, they have their three kids, this, this and that. So there are things that speak to the like the back in the day type family life, which and some people still have that. Yeah. So. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy the Sim. I love the Simpsons. I Maybe just not for the past 10 seasons or so. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't watched it in years. Yeah. Yeah. It's changed. It definitely has. It's a, it's a different experience now, but, uh, it's, but I don't think it's something to totally write off. I haven't really like caught up with South Park, you know, except for their specials. Like I really don't watch that, you know, because sometimes, especially with the whole last four years, like everything that had to do with politics, like just made me angry. So I had to like distance myself from that just for my sanity. So, and you know, they're going to touch on it every week. So between that and then SNL with the weekly update and, you know, all, all these other shows that are constantly like throwing this in your face, like I'm already fucking mad. I don't need to watch TV and still be mad about these issues. So well, I just got to say, I know it's kind of random, but I am so happy. Like, it, you know how refreshing it is to turn on the TV or turn on the radio and not have to hear or see President Pussy Grab's face on there? Dude, like, it's, it's so, so nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Jake looks a little sad about that. <laughs> we still have a guy bombing Syria. Just, I, I saw a great uh, analysis of that. It was a very thoughtful and progressive uh, review of political commentary, if you will, where a guy said, hey, those bombs you're dropping on Syria are expensive for a guy who owes me 2000 bucks. I don't even fucking qualify for it, but it pisses me off that people do, uh, who were promised something didn't get it. That is not what we should be here for. But let's go back. I feel like we're getting a little political. And the, and the people who's the snowflakes are going to leave a sassy little review on iTunes and be like, oh, don't talk about politics. You're, you're going to cancel me. I'm going to cancel you. We are the men. Yeah. We're going to be bug men. Oh, my God. <laughs> what was that again? No, that's why we're bug men, because apparently we get political, you know. But now you guys have a woman. Oh, no. We should be bug people, <laughs> first and foremost. I will not be subjugated to one sex. Exactly. Well, what do you expect from Cannibal the Musical? It's Trey Parker, Matt Stone. It's South Park. South Park based, based so much on its po- politics. So why can't we bring up politics in this episode, you know? That's, it's oh, the that's truth. True, it's yeah. the truth. Nicely done, Doug. Nicely done. Thank you, That's, Doug. that's that two was, points for me. There we go. Yes. Two points for Doug. <laughs> now we go back and then we have the the Cyclops, which is just a guy with cream soda oozing out of his eye. And then we have the Packer fight versus the Trapper fight. And then we get all the way to the hanging scene and he's found to not be hangable because the laws of Colorado didn't exist because they hadn't been ratified as a state. So it doesn't even count. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up in my research I had found. That the 1980 film, The Legend of Alfred Packer, there's a scene where Packer wakes from a dream and screams, Ike, which is redone in this because they thought it was funny. No, I, they have no idea why it was done. And I honestly Attention wonder if that's why detail, Kyle's man. little brother is named. Yeah. Ooh, I thought the same Ike thing. Ike is the little brother. He's Canadian. He's adopted. Here you go with, with, with South Park and Trey Parker and Matt Stone. It's like they got the perfect thing. They just reuse a lot of stuff they have. You know what I mean? There's so many references to like South Park in there before South Park. So anyway, uh, there's the scene where they end up with a smoochy smooch and a kissy wissy on the hangman's gallows. And that's the movie. What do we think? Is this a classic, a trashic or a tragic? I haven't done that shtick all month. 
Well, honestly, for me, I, I think it's a trash hit because the thing is, they know it's it was made on a lower budget. And the thing is, uh, it's it, it does lose some of its steam in the middle parts. The songs are memorable, uh, but it does start it to lose its steam like halfway through the middle. I enjoy it. So I think it's a trash hit because it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I think they really um, reached their peak when they did uh, Orgasmo. So I think that's where like they really started taking their uh, humor up there. So it's a trash hit. I'll enjoy it. It's not my favorite trauma film, but, uh, you know, it gets the job done for me. Yeah, I'm about the uh, same spot right there. It's a trashic because it's not perfect, but I mean, it was still really well done and I feel it's a one everyone can enjoy. But uh, yeah, it's nothing sparkling, not their best by any means, but yeah, fun. Trashic. Trashic. I would say the same thing, but I think all of the trauma is trashic. Oh, trauma, trashic. That's fun. Yay. Okay. I would agree. I think it's a trashic for sure. It's very accessible. And that's what I'll say. I, I don't mean that in a negative way because like very often people will slight like PG 13 levels of humor and stuff and be like, oh, like, it's, but you need to have accessibility or you don't grow the base, right? If yeah. you're trying to get somebody into trauma, this is such a safe and fun way to do it. And there's nothing, they already are going to have enough intrigue and interest based on the very famous and very successful creators. There's enough meat on the bone to enjoy the process throughout. It's not like one of those things like, look how embarrassing it is that they did this thing. It's like, oh, look at how they started and look where they are now. And it's very true to form. It might be like their current stuff is like this on super steroids, but still like there's a continuity there that I think is important. So I am always happy to watch this. I'm happy to sing the song if and when my brain ever decides to go there because it feels like more often than not I'm singing Magic Dance by David Bowie all the time. <laughs> there are far worse earworms, my friend. Oh, for sure. I'm not complaining about it. In fact, the, like all of my daughter's obsessions are really, they make me happy because like for those of you who don't know, Monster Squad's my favorite movie. Labyrinth is my second favorite movie. And she inherits all of my interests. She's obsessed with dinosaurs and running around. And she knows how to correct people. Instead of saying Parasaurolophus, she'll go, it's Parasaurolophus. Boom. And she's two. Suck it. She is yours. Dude, no paternity test needed. That kid came out of my balls. All their proof. <laughs> uh, now, has she seen Monster Squad yet? She's not allowed. Uh, my wife has said that she my wife is being pretty progressive. She gave me age 11 for that movie. And I don't think that's bad. I obviously saw it when I was younger than that. But, you know, considering that you see a dismembered wolf and the wolf dork and the wolf nards because she's very theatrical and repetitious. The last thing I want is to get a call from school where she says Wolfman's got nards after kicking a little boy in the penis. <laughs> You'd be so proud. You'd be so proud. I see civil liability everywhere as an attorney, though, and I would be haunted at the idea that some kid would not be able to conceive 20 years later and would somehow sue me for it. Yeah, well, I was going to say there is uh, there is some light at the end of the tunnel for trauma. If you want to get your kids interested in trauma, there is a PG film that stars Paul Walker as a kid. It's called Monster in the Closet from 1986, and that's a PG rated trauma film. So definitely check it out. I, I actually enjoyed that one a lot. Right on. Is that streaming? It's it's on Troma now. And if you don't have it, I think I, I have the DVD, but it's like long out of print. With my Paul Walker. Oh, my God. Yeah, Paul Walker, Monster in the Closet. It's a monster that uses, uh, it's kind of like House. Remember how they have the, uh, where oh the monster, it, they use closets as like a teleportation device. And he eats all the clothes. Hell yeah. So the like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. So definitely check that one out there. Sounds like a watch party, man. Yeah, we should do that. 
That'd be fun. Hey, actually, that's a really good idea, considering that the Patreon bonus episode for this month is a watch party. So if you want to be part of the Patreon patrons patronage, you make sure to throw handfuls of cash into your if your computer still has a disk drive. You just wad up the cash, slide it in there. Guarantee it digitizes the money and sends it to us. And any kind of electrical malfunction or burning smell that you have, that's just uh, special effects. Just make sure the bill is face up. Yes. Yes. And we'll give you the address, uh, P.O. Box, to send all your booze, weed, drugs, paraphernalia, money uh, to the Slashers podcast. It keeps us going. Here we go. Damn, that's scary. Yo, what's up, Slasher guys? It's Michael over here. I'm joined alongside with Greg and Will, and we are... Damn, that's scary. What's up, you fudgicles? Yo, what's going on, guys? Of course, we are going to conclude Troll March, at least on our end. I don't know if you guys are going to continue doing it or not. Thank God. But we are totally done. We just finished up our last review here on Father's Day. You should probably continue if you want to. Yo, but you Slasher guys picked one of the best trauma movies there is i mean absolutely the best in my absolutely next to toxic avenger i'm gonna say one of the best trauma movies there is and that is cannibal the, the musical. musical yes of course trey parker and matt stone's 1993 classic greg how do you feel about this movie this is probably actually my favorite movie out of the whole trauma verse yeah it is a troll masterpiece it certainly is and you know what the music's not half bad either it's trollrific it is trollrific and I just I, I think what I love so much about this movie is is that it's basically a live action South Park movie. Yes. And I, I the writing really really holds true to their style. One of my favorite scenes is when they encounter the Cyclops. He's like, "You're looking at my eye," and it's just spit and pus everywhere. Yeah, it's gross. I love spreading. that. I freaking love the humor in this so much. I love how it's shot. The opener really grabs you, where Matt Stone is ripping everyone apart. Beautiful. He pulls off a guy's mandible. I've always really been amused by the fact that they they used Asian characters as a stand-in for Native Americans. <laughs> That's actually a great. It's, it's, a, it's such a, a funny gag. It's a great gag. And I don't know if I. I mean, it's 2021. I don't know if you're going to call that racist or not, or if there's I, some kind of I, insensitivity there. It was but it funny. Is hilarious. It was very funny. It's a great. What uh, great what, gag. what tribe are you guys from? Oh, we are Indians. Like I I yeah. thought that was awesome. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Will, what it's are your fine line that the South Park uh writing kind of always walks? What do you mean fine line that they always walk they always cross the line man it's yeah, but awesome. they get away with it is what i'm saying they do because it's south park uh for some reason it seems like they're untouchable will what are your thoughts on cannibal the musical um yeah i didn't i, I didn't watch it fool fool shame 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 i'm not gonna chant anymore either I'm i don't i don't think we're ever gonna be able to kick that habit no, we're not. It's going to be like July, and we're still going to be chanting Troll March. We're going to be oh, Troll God. Marching straight through the summer. I'll Troll March right wanna. into your living room. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'll put that DVD in your player. And yes, that is a sexual innuendo. Oh. Uh, back to uh, back to Cannibal <laughs> the Musical. One of the things, like, I, I this is like my own personal thing. I remember back in 1997 when South Park came out, they had a write-up, uh, like an expose in Rolling Stone magazine where, like, Carton was on the cover. And Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they actually went into detail about the movie cannibal the musical and i think it was shortly after that i found somebody that had it on vhs so i watched this movie when i was i think in like the ninth grade and honestly i haven't seen it since that's a great time except for like it, like yesterday hmm. yeah it was oh what yeah seriously what a time to be alive uh in the 90s there it was a lot of crazy shit coming out my first time was on vhs as well 
it seems like everyone's first time was on VHS, unless you're Will, which is going to be streaming eventually. Uh, no. You have to watch this movie. I mean, it was sort of one of those like underground classics of the 90s that just kind of got around and, yeah. you know, people knew about it. It was, and it was really like word of mouth, but I felt like that article in Rolling Stone really kind of got the word out there. And if you were a real fan of South Park, you were just like, whoa, they made a movie before this? I got to fucking find it. And to be fair, the, the trauma publishing didn't hurt. No, it didn't. It definitely helped get it out there. Um, but yeah, a huge. I, I hear it, damn, that's scary. Uh, and yes, Will, I'm speaking on behalf of you because I know you would love this movie. We're all for it. We are huge fans of this. But all right, guys. Uh, anything else in closing? Can yeah. I make one one real quick comment? Go ahead. Troll March! Troll March! Troll March! Troll March! Troll March! No! No! Listen to us. We're damn that scary. We will fuck your ear holes. We fucking rule. Yeah. So, Adam, shirts are a thing. People wear them. All of us are actually wearing them now. And let's say I wanted to adorn my breastages in the best vestiges of, let's say, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage as a Wendigo who's a champion of a cryptid battle. Where would I do that? Oh, you mean like the Macho Man Digo design? Now at slasherspod.redbubble.com. And uh, sorry, Aid, I kind of took your thing away by talking about Patreon first. So where can people find us on the interwebs? Oh, you can find us everywhere. You can find us on Instagram at slasherspod. You can find us on Facebook at Slashers Podcast. Please join the Mutant Goons from Beyond page because we'd love more of you to come and, and, and join that page as well. And you can also find us or me on Instagram at pathologicallyade. And Doug, where can we find you all the time, but also very specifically on Friday nights. Yeah, so there's a few different things. You can follow me on Instagram at Doug Bizarro, and uh, I host a show every Friday at 8 p.m. on B Movie TV, which is a free channel on Roku. Uh, we show some really awesome unearthed films, uh, some some hidden films from the 70s and 80s. Uh, some really, if you like twisted metal and like that explosion type film stuff, then you'll definitely love uh, B Movie TV. I do Friday night action, and uh, since we're on Troma. Uh, with Cannibal the Musical. If you want another film that has somewhat musical scenes in there, watch Don't Touch That Dial on Troma Now. It's a film I made back in 2013. And uh, it was a feature-length film that I filmed without anyone knowing at the college I was going to. And they said, what are you filming in here? A student film. No, it was actually a feature film that I did over a year to make. So definitely check it out. It's called Don't Touch That Dial on Troma. I love it. Make sure to patronize Doug because I, did you mention Mulligan's Monsters just now? I was having a brain lapse. Yeah, so there's another one too. I did a short film uh, right before the pandemic called The, the Incel. Incel. Yeah, and uh, it has wonderful uh, monster effects. It's a monster puppet that uh, was created by Joe Castro. So if you know Joe Castro, he worked on, well, he did the Terratunes films and a bunch of other like uh, pretty gory, uh, low budget films. He's a, he's an awesome, awesome special effects guy. So, and that's uh, the show's called Mulligan's Monsters. It's streaming on Troma now. I did the episode of the Incel. I think I believe there's seven or eight other episodes. They all feature different monsters. Uh, so yeah, definitely check those out. Give Troma um, a subscription, and it's a free 30 day trial as well too. It's fun. It's fun. There's a lot to watch. And Toxic Crusaders. God damn it! I was surprised by that because I thought for sure. There was no way that Lloyd was going to pay animators, so surely he had divided the rights with someone who would own it and say, no, you have to pay us to watch this. And I've been delighted to go through and think I'm working on an interview, maybe be attached to this, I'm not exactly sure, with an individual uh, whose movie, The Toxic Avenger, I saw when I was entirely too young based on The Toxic Crusader uh, TV show. And when I did the math on it, I was scary young to be watching The Toxic uh, Avenger, and I'm very happy about that because otherwise I wouldn't be yelling at a microphone in my garage studio. 
Oh my God. Wait, you saw the toxic Avenger at that young? Yeah, no, for sure. Cause I, my parents, I saw it at the video store. I knew exactly who Toxie was because I had seen the show. Granted, the tutu, uh, in my opinion, uh, is not good enough in the cartoon show. It very much frustrates me that it wasn't more. So that show came out in 1990, meaning that I was three years old, meaning that by the time I saw Toxic Avenger, I was four years old. I still vividly remember and specifically the scene with the weights is i will never forget that and obviously toxie's formation i watched it like four times in one weekend at four years old explains so much (laughs) well like i said that's what warps our minds now you know uh, all these films are doing podcasts on here too that was the same way for me when i watched creep show 2 my grandma got it for me because she thought it was a cartoon yep and she rented Creep Show 2 for me, and I was about four or five years old. And I remember I was traumatized. I never wanted to hit a lake of water or touch any bit of lake water at all after that film. Dude, same here. Creep Show 2 and Popcorn, which, uh, yeah, we're going to have a Patreon episode about that soon enough. Well, you know, that was the time, though. All of us were subjected to this. Like, my cousins would put on Child's Play and Nightmare on Elm Street, and they were all in their teenagers, and they were babysitting me, and I was probably, like, five or six getting traumatized. And I did watch Scream the year that came out in video because my parents rented it. They all watched it. And then when they left, all the cousins were at the house, like, you know, hanging out as we do because you would leave children alone back then. And we all watched Scream. And that was 96. And I wasn't even 10 years old yet. So you want to know what? that's a blessing in disguise because none, none of us would be here talking together. You know what I mean? It's a mutual friendship with uh, with these movies. It's it, it's a weird thing. But that's why there's these conventions and stuff like that, because it's a great talking point, And, you know, you, you'll make friends for a lifetime. When I talked to my wife about it, she, you know, she always makes jokes that I was raised by wolves. And I'm like, actually, I was raised by Junkyard, who was a dog from Toxic Crusaders. I'll have you know. I, yeah, my favorite action figure of all time is the one with his tongue. Mine too. Yeah. Yes. Oh. They were like perfect action figures because they were like further articulating Ninja Turtles action figures. But they were so cool. They were the best figures. And once you get past, like when you find people, and I'm not going to say suffered, but who've experienced like you have, you already start like at a base level of like, oh, we agree on at least so much. And we can kind of we are instantaneously because of the shared experience closer than people like my wife and I like. There's just certain parts of our childhood where I'm like, I don't understand that. Like, you guys just played board games together when there wasn't a TV on. How does that work? Uh, So, you know, I would never shame anybody. I really I enjoyed my childhood. Like, I thought it was great. I loved playing Sega alone. Like, you know, everybody's suffering is relative. So always give people credence, you know, and they don't judge their parents. A lot of parents think they're doing the best. And it. It's hard. Like my dad, like I've talked about, was always very gracious with like telling me about like the special effects and stuff. So I was never scared of the stuff I was watching. I never felt traumatized. If I did, I'm sure he would stop. But when I'm enjoying it and I'm not, you know, when I'm getting good grades and I'm not swearing as much back then because I was a fucking little saint. When you have those things, like who's to judge my dad? I turned I'm a partner of a fucking multi-million dollar law firm. I think you're swell. Things turned out okay. So Give yourself grace. Give your friends grace. If you have people who just don't, maybe don't show the kid the Serbian film is all I'm saying. Yeah. No. <sighs> don't show me that. Don't show that to an adult. Yeah, that's that's not right. Just like my balls. Don't show my balls to an adult. And with that, my name is Jake. For Doug, Adrian, and Adam, reminding you my balls, because I was talking about, if you remember, this is a callback to an hour and 15 minutes ago, almost exactly where I was talking about us talking about our balls. Talking about, talking about, my balls. Goodbye and goodbye, my balls.
Hey goons, remember me? It's your boy, Cyberslash1000. I went into deep sleep because artists can be super flaky and don't send their tracks, even after you politely remind them. Then, there are guys like Pedro from the Sams. There is no mystery how long his schlong is. Let me tell you, it is huge. Thank you for sending me your full new EP, titled Karma. It is really quite good. It reminds me of being a little binary code, playing Dave Mira BMX on PS1. This song is called You're Not Alone, and after listening to this masterful intro you never will be again. That's right baby, you're pregnant, and it's my robot offspring in your bum. No need for a paternity test. Anyway, here's the Sams with You're Not Alone. Yeah! 